a good actor knows or, or tries to learn about a lot of different types of people from all walks of life um, mm. really served, uh, really does serve you mm. so that it, like you're bringing in authenticity because you, you, you have a responsibility as an actor to represent whoever it is that the story is about. When I started to go into auditions thinking, I'm going to get to perform, even if it's only for five minutes, mm-hmm. I'm going to go in and try and get the, do what I do, what I'm trained to do, what I'm good at doing, mm-hmm. and stop making the goal about booking the job. Mm-hmm. I did much better. I, I gave much better auditions. Hang on. Let me bring you back to the beginning of mm-hmm. when you first started, because you know this. You've just like, you think it's more complicated than it, than it is. Mm-hmm. And so how do I, how do I, as a director, do I move out some of those obstacles, some of those obstacles out of your way? Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Zhao. And today I have the director of theater program, Jared Eberlein here with me. How's it going, Jared? It's going well. Thanks, Shannon. Of course. Um, first question for you today. Why do you love acting? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I think I like the idea of being, uh, you know, I, I mean, I started out loving acting because it gave me an outlet for um, for so many different things that I, I must have been feeling when I was um, when I was a kid. Um, I think that it stems from my being um, my being sort of in love with the spotlight too. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was a, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. my um, my grandfather, who was a, a music leader at, at our um, at our family church, mm-hmm. sort of threw me up on the stage at three years old to sing a to sing solos, and I got a good response. And I think I just remember feeling like, ooh, I don't know how to hmm. necessarily talk to people in real life, and I don't know how to, like, you know, I don't know all these, I don't know a lot of stuff, but I yeah. I know what this feels like, and I know, like, this you connection. Look, you feel so good. It felt good. Yeah. And um, and I think that um, as an actor, it's a, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting journey because you mm-hmm. don't have to be any one thing for very long. Mm-hmm. So you sort of get a chance to, you know, as some would say, like live a thousand lives as mm-hmm. you sort of interpret different roles and, and investigate different scripts. And so mm-hmm. that I think is what drew me to it as a, um, as I would say, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, you can't see that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as an artist, I guess I was drawn to that idea of interpreting that as just as a kid discovering what performing arts were and having yeah. parents who were sort of, like adjacent to performing arts and family members that just always like to sing and like to play instruments and things. I think I just mm-hmm. sort of like, it all made sense to me. It made sense. Uh, it made sense of my body and my sort of spirit that I could, um, that I sort of really liked the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, putting on somebody else's shoes. Interesting. So you mentioned the first experience of being thrown on stage immediately. Did you have stage anxiety at that moment or you, you, you just, you never were, have you ever had stage anxiety afterwards? Just something that's natural for you that you just you just love being on there. You just love being in the spotlight. That's. A, <laughs> I wish I could say that it never ne- never affected me. I th- I don't think it did back then. I think that I was just so gung ho and like I I didn't know that there could be a bad response or that mm. I didn't know 
I didn't know until later when I started actually like more formally training mm. um, what what it took in terms of like the resilience of um, just of your sort of psychology of your um, um, sorry, the resilience of your sort of mindset that you needed mm. to have. Yeah. And also just the physical like exhaustion that your body can go through when mm. you're performing constantly. Mm-hmm. I think that it didn't hit me when I was just doing, you know, when I would sing a solo in, uh, in choir or I'd get a, a, a big part in like the elementary school play. Yeah. There was no like staying power. There didn't have to be any longevity to it. So I don't think I... Mm-hmm. thought about the anxiety it wasn't until later that i sort of was like oh my gosh i know what's happening inside my body physiologically <laughs> now i have to protect it and so now i'm anxious about protecting it mm. every waking hour of the day and so i got more anxious i think as i got older um which turned into sort of one of the reasons that i was like oh my gosh i love sitting behind a computer and you know, when i when i turned to playwriting i felt like oh my gosh i don't have to be nervous in the same way that's very interesting. But yeah, I was I was not nervous as a I wasn't nervous as a kid and even I would say into college I was sort of like you know, I I just hadn't had hadn't had any like negative and yeah. negative feedback, I think. I think I didn't I just thought that, you know, you you walk into a room, you do your thing and people are ultimately in a better mood and I think not that people, <laughs> not that people anybody like, like ever had to catch rotten tomatoes or anything but like yeah. as I got older I realized a how competitive um, mm-hmm. the industry was and B how um, how um, how things have got to go in your favor in order for you to sort of make a headway and make a career mm-hmm. and how um, how preservationist you've got to be about your your body and your voice and your mind in mm-hmm. order to do it. So I think um, I think it's sort of all, I guess, the professional aspect of it was sort of when anxiety kicked in because it was, you know, I need to book the job and I also yeah. need to um, pay my rent and all the, oh, yeah. all the logistics yeah. sort of pop into it, which makes it feel like less, it, it's, that, it's yeah. less, um, it's not just for, it's not just for fun, yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. You mentioned a point about, self once we become more self-conscious we become more anxious in some sense mm-hmm. and i thought that point was just very interesting because i was just thinking back for example social anxiety or like speaking anxiety when we were kids we had zero anxiety we were fine being in the public and we were fine now we we um as we go into high school like the the anxiety level was just like it's gr- significantly increased like um and I just thought it was very interesting to see if if it if it could be a way to if if a way to overcome anxiety is actually just to you know think think that we're still a kid and then go back to the good old days in some sense. And I, I don't know. That's, that's actually an interesting thought. I think I think, but I think you're right. I think I, th- mm. I think when I when we when I work with actors, I'm often saying to them that they're literally doing the same thing. Mm. They're literally doing the same thing um, at. 80 that they were trying to do when they were eight years old. Mm. It's just that we have a lot more clutter that gets in the way. And so we have to work a lot harder to sort of clear the runway for us to do that thing that we inherently know how to know do. Know how to do, yeah. And, and I think that, but I think also the idea not to be too like, um, not to be too, I don't know why my words, it's great to come uh, on mm. your show and <laughs> lose all my words, I apologize. <laughs> but it's it, um, not to be too philosophical, but yeah. I think that to some degree, 
your generation has it a little more difficult than my generation did because um, the exposure to just sort of outside opinion Mm -hmm. uh, is at a much more heightened level in -hmm. terms of that sort of like, oh my gosh, there's less of an opportunity to learn and grow outside of the public knowledge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're constantly growing and learning and you know, making a post or posting something to social media or or making something that sort of can be shot out to a lot of different people. So it feels much more set in stone. Mm. Um, so there's a lot more, I would say that there's almost more risk um, for, uh, for folks who are in school now than there was when I was in school. Um, but I think that that same trajectory, sort of like that judgment uh, trajectory is the same for all of us. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You, you, you mentioned how we would perceive it as... Um, like it's set in stone and, and I want to sort of elaborate on, uh, on that point a little bit what do you mean by that yes even though we're like constantly learning it all the time but wh- wh- why would we like actually limit ourselves in some sense I think that in a lot of ways mm-hmm. we end up with um, we end up with a psych, uh, like a psychosis. I don't know if it would, it would be an official mm. psychosis, but it's this idea that we have this idea that um, we are, we want to make something that lasts. Mm-hmm. We want this sense of impermanence or this yeah. sense of permanence yeah. to what we do. Mm-hmm. And so we put a lot of stock into everything that we are, we are doing, yeah. which instead of doing the thing with the idea that we're going to live or sort of try and ex- explore the moment. We try, especially as artists, I think it's mm-hmm. never far from the back of our minds that we are trying to explore this moment for the moment, but also within the context of how will this live beyond me. Mm. Um, and so I think that there's there's sort of a, there's a danger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a danger in thinking too much about, uh, about the future and not living in the moment. But there's also mm-hmm. sort of that, that idea that you would step into um, be being in too in the moment that you forget what's come before you and what is um, what might come after you and shift that. And so I, I think we're, we're, we're constantly balancing Mm. what our role as iterative art um, artists is Mm. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense so that in some sense, because we have, all these social media and all these pressure. And then we think about how that like this, this what we do right now could have, could be everywhere. And we're more conscious about it mm-hmm. that we are, we increase our anxiety and we think more and then we overthink and then we actually decrease our performance and then mm-hmm. actually like, no, take, 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 take our natural ability away. Instead, instead, if we just acted naturally, we would do much better. In some sense, perhaps, perhaps, yeah. I mean, I, I think interesting. I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's something that we won't know. I don't. I don't know that we'll know the the psychology or the the science behind it mm. until we've sort of gone down this rabbit hole another couple of decades. <laughs> you know, interesting point. Coming back to your acting journey, though. So you said you sort of fell in love with the, and then you loved doing performing arts, and you loved you know being in the spotlight and just like doing all these things. So how did you sort of continue to pursue it at a higher, higher level? So you went to college and then, yeah, I mean, I, I went to, I was, um, very fortunate that, um, my mom, Mm -hmm. um, sort of pulled me 
aside in middle school and said, there's this high school that like is, has just built this art center. And I think it'd be, it'd be good for you to consider going. And I think I had done really well in elementary school. And then I was sort of floundering in, in mm-hmm. middle school. And so she had sort of, uh, as she had come upon through, you know, just through being in the area and I grew up in Baltimore or just mm-hmm. outside of Baltimore and through being in the area and business connections and all this kind of stuff, she sort of knew about, um, a day school, an independent day school, um, St. Paul's school, not the, mm-hmm. not the boarding school in, uh, New England, but in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, I think this could be something we should look into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, I went and, went kicking and screaming, leaving my, like my, my friends. Uh, but I found that it was true that this is a place that really like hit all of the marks of what I needed to sort of thrive. And it had mm-hmm. an incredible, um, an incredible, um, faculty performing arts faculty that, um, was supportive and mm-hmm. was, uh, creative and mm-hmm. were sort of constantly pushing the envelope of what, like high schools were doing in the area at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, and, and so I was sort of in my element and mm-hmm. I think it was there mm-hmm. through my mentor who is still a dear friend now, mm-hmm. um, who was the theater director, um, then at that school, and we're talking 25, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, he was the, sort of the first person that I remember sort of looking at and he was, he sort of started to expose me to the idea that this could be like a, this didn't just have to be an extracurricular thing. This didn't have to be like an after-school thing. This didn't have to be a, a thing that was only in academia. Like people, yeah, this could be a career. people actually do this stuff. And yeah. I think that I, I think at, at different points, different people will tell you that they they connect the dots in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like if I mean, and I think people tend to do that first and foremost when it comes to acting because I think that's the thing we're exposed to the most. I think that mm-hmm. we you know we see actors before we see anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, we recognize actors and celebrities before we recognize anybody else who's worked on a project, right? So yeah. so I think that's the first exposure, but I think that somebody has to come along and say this can be a thing. Like if you love this, if this is where your passion is, if this is where your heart is and like you thrive and you are feeling the most whole, mm-hmm. like this can be a thing. You don't have to treat this as like the, the secret, you know, the, the secret compartment of you and like, you know, throw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was naive. I was surprised when I first got Facebook when I was in my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that all the kids that I did high school theater with didn't, weren't doing theater anymore. Like it shocked me that you could possibly be invested in this in high school and not go into it as a career. <laughs> and I just had no, I, I had no idea that it wasn't, didn't feel the same for everybody. Like different people came at it from different realms. People were, excited by it because it was like really fun to do some, mm-hmm. you know, there would be guys that would do it because their girlfriends were doing it. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> ranges of, of motivations came into play and I just perceived that everybody was like as bleeding heart theater mad as I was. And that, that, was, that wasn't the case. <laughs> and so I did go to college for it. I was, I was fortunate to go to Drew university in New Jersey, which is only about an hour outside of, New York City. So I had sort of a, a traditional liberal arts college experience and, um, and with proximity to um, sort of New York and, and, um, and Broadway. And mm-hmm. um, so that was, that was really formative. And um, I was forced in that situation um, 
because of what the major required in college to do a little bit of everything. So I had to light design and I had to sound design and I had to play, mm-hmm. I had to write plays and I had to um, take a directing class and I had to, mm-hmm. um, you had to, these various points of contact that you had to make every semester that you were a major mm-hmm. once you had declared and sort of it, it exposed me to a lot of different things, even arts administration, which is what I, I knew I wanted to move to New York to be an actor, but I also knew that it was better to move to New York with a job than without a job. Yeah. And so I ended up um, through my, um, through teaching over the summers in college, I ended up meeting a producer who was producing a couple of shows on Broadway at the time. Mm-hmm. And he, um, I sent him my resume and uh, he said, come in for an interview. And so I went in and became an intern for a, um, a Broadway production mm-hmm. literally two weeks after I graduated from college. So I was sort of, I had my office overlooking, you know, 44th street, um, in midtown Manhattan, mm. two weeks after graduating college, which afforded me a lot of sort of exposure to sort of that world that I had. So intern as in what was your specific job at that time? So I was an intern. I was a company management intern for the Broadway production of Hairspray. Mm. Um, And Hairspray opened in 2002, and I was there two summers later. And so the company managers are the the folks that sort of do a lot of the business end of things, whether Mm. it's, you know, making sure contracts are signed, making sure, like, paychecks are distributed, making sure, like, you know, rehearsals are, rehearsal reports and, like, box office numbers are distributed to the various... um, producers and money people. And so I was there as an intern to, to help with whatever was needed um, at that, at that time for that particular show for, mm-hmm. for that summer. And um, so that was, that was where I was working. I, there yeah. were, the office I worked in had a lot of different shows. And so there were a whole cohort of us that were company management interns um, mm-hmm. that did any number of odd jobs. I mean, I, I went and bought flowers for like <laughs> the actors who were departing the cast over that summer. <laughs> so like you do kind of anything you're asked yeah. to do, but you're sort of wide eyed and you're, you're, you, you're in that space and you're observing all this going on because our, um, well, acting is a big industry, right? And mm-hmm. in the company, like just by the fact that you are there that you're entering, even though you may not be acting, you you're seeing all this, th- all these like industry, all these specifics that you wouldn't see when you're in college or when you're, mm-hmm. and that that would you say like that's actually very beneficial for you as an actor in some sense? Absolutely, I was just gonna say that um, between college being forced to do other things, but like having I shouldn't say forced, should mm-hmm. say required to be doing other things other than performing. Um, and then going right into this internship to see sort of the the mega machine that mm-hmm. it takes to put on a, a major commercial show. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing there was n- there was nothing that I wasn't surprised by mm-hmm. um, coming from like oh my gosh all I want to do is perform all I do want to do is sing and dance and act and, and all this kind of stuff. I it, nothing prepared me for how many people are a part of what even high school and college, I mean, I knew those experiences, but the amount of people, the amount of support that um, has to be given, the amount of like the amount of um, encouragement that has to be given to help a production launch and then run uh, is, is, is unbelievable. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, um, you what you wouldn't know it. I mean, thankfully, you don't have to take that into account when you go to see a show. I mean, you're just <laughs> there to be taken away into the world of yeah. the story. But when you look through that playbill, like you look through, I mean, I was always a kid who, like, 
watched to the end of the credits of yeah. like of a movie or like read all of the, the the inserts of like the CDs that I would buy and to see who the producers were and who played drums on this track versus that track. Really? So I was very detailed in wow. that way. Um, so I'd always had a, a little bit of an appreciation for it, but being a part of the machine to say like, oh my gosh, all of these things have to come together in order for this to work mm-hmm. um, is why, I mean, it's why the... Um, why the commercial theater, especially in New York, is such a is such a, a huge industry. Industry, right? Um, and that's that's interesting. It goes back to the point that you mentioned earlier about how we usually get taken away by the celebrities and by the actors, by the big names, and then we think that well, when we watch a movie, that's sort of like what we're looking at. But then, just just a movie, like there's people there's people you know doing all the music and then there's a director directing set and there's a camera crew and there's like all this like there there it's like a large large pyramid that that yes there may be that one actor or, or two at the top but then all this chain supporting so for you though um was it always your dream to sort of always be uh, to, to be that actor or um or did it shift along the years or it did actually mm-hmm. i um I, you know, I, I loved the, I loved the industry mm-hmm. as brutal as it was. And I think that the, the dream, I th- mean, I think that um, the dream did shift, I would say. Um, the dream shifted. Um, sometimes you don't notice that the dream has shifted until it's like, until you're looking at it retrospectively. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I fought hard for, for roles and I, I, you know, went to a lot of auditions and mm-hmm. did a lot of shows and didn't do about a hundred times more shows than I did. Cause I, you know, you get <laughs> cast in one and then yeah. like you, they take, you know, it's a cycle. Yeah. You do a show and then the show closes and you've got to start all over again. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bit, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I, um, when I had somebody come along and say, I think you have some good ideas. I'd love to bring you into a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, would you be interested in writing this, uh, write, writing with, writing together? Um, I sort of was like, eh, I don't know. I'm an actor and I don't know if I, and, but somebody, people along the way seem to see something different than acting mm-hmm. about me. My ideas seem to strike them as being, I don't know, more, more generative um, in terms of, in terms of, um, uh, in terms of how I was coming to um, how I was coming to the table, mm-hmm. um, I I was at the sim- uh, simultaneously I was getting a little tired mm-hmm. of like auditioning for the same shows over and over that like a million other people had done, which yeah. is something that like I don't I don't balk at at all. I mean I think it, it like that's one of the hardest things to do is take a role that's been done a million times yeah. and make it your own, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think I mean th- those uh, there are people who are far more talented than I ever was. And they, 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 they make their living doing that. They're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself to be sort of exhausted by the prospect of going like, Oh, I didn't get that audition and I'm bummed about it. And yet it was the 1900th production of whatever play. <laughs> and so it didn't make, yeah. it, it started to not make as much sense. I, mm-hmm. um, I did a show in in Colorado and I met my, um, my wife, um, mm. um, we, we, we met doing this show and so mm-hmm. I came back and then a couple of years later we got married and, um, we were living in New York and I sort of stumbled into these opportunities to write, which I understood started to make sense to me as they could happen anywhere. 
I could write anywhere. I could do anything I wanted. I could make up stuff. And that mm-hmm. started to feel more natural to me than, mm. than performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would still do, you know, cabarets and like, you know, where I would go and perform at clubs and things. And yeah. that was like, that's all, that that's always still really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started to like, I started to like sort of allow the fact that the seasons of my life were sort of shifting. And, mm-hmm. um, and I never, I never made a conscious effort to say I am done acting. Mm-hmm. It's just, I started to feel more fulfilled by the connections I was making as a writer, as a dramaturg, as um, as somebody who was consulting, mm-hmm. um, as somebody who was sort of in the room, devising more mm-hmm. than more than performing, mm-hmm. um, and whether or not whether or not that was in, com- in combination with my elevated self consciousness, like sort of allowed me there. I don't know, but I I am a, I am a strong believer that um, I think that um, things. If you if you live sort of open handedly and not tight fistedly, things will flow through, and ultimately you'll end up in the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, and I I definitely found my way from performing, which is a grueling life. It's a, mm. it's, it's a really hard life. I mean, if you even ask anybody who is a star of a Broadway show, they live they live like they're a part of the clergy. I mean, like you know, you know, they live like monks and and nuns. Really, uh, I mean, they they do their show and they go home. Because like they can't afford to talk or, or or go out much more than they they do to do their own show because they work seven days a week. Um, yeah. So, acting every day and mm-hmm. wow, that's intense. I mean, coming back to sort of while you were acting. So how how did you work on your acting skills while you were still acting? Well, it's all. It was a lot of class work. It was uh-huh. a lot of observation. It was a lot of um, a lot of listening and taking taking lessons private lessons mm-hmm. um you know it, it becomes it's a, it's it, as much as i want to say that like i like moved to new york and i was studying all the time and all this kind of stuff um there's a certain level of practicality that sort of comes in mm-hmm. so you like you ultimately have to you know you have to save your money because you're paying rent yeah. or you're trying to pay rent you're doing an odd job here and there you take a day off from the restaurant you're working in mm-hmm. as a waiter and you to go and like be an extra in a tv show or something yeah. and you get a you get paid a little bit of money not a yeah. lot of money but it's um, you get paid a little bit of money but you got to save it up um, and then you so that you can afford to take classes that mm-hmm. make you feel better about the auditions that you're taking so it's sort of the cyclical thing where um, you try and study, you try and read a lot, you try and just be as well versed mm-hmm. in as many things as possible. I mean, you try and you try and and this hasn't really changed even even as I as I write and as I teach and as I direct. Um, but you try and talk to as many different people as you possibly can mm-hmm. to sort of just become a a student of human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, there's no better place to do that, even as a non-working actor, than like on the streets of New York to watch people walk by and sort of decide like who's like you, you start to make up stories about like what, who they are and where they're Mm -hmm. going and where they're coming from. And um, you start to decide like, is there something about that person that I'm watching and, uh, or that person that I'm seeing often or that person that comes into my, you know, into my restaurant or uh, that I pass on the subway all the time. Is there something interesting about them that I can borrow um, to bring into this next project that I'm working on. Interesting. Um, and obviously working with other actors is there's no there's there's no finer training than sort of sort of if you've ever heard the 
the, the, the proverb, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. It's like this idea that working with others really helps to, 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 to sharpen your own skill set. And the point about that you made about observation is very interesting that how, you know, even though you're, you're an actor, but then you learn by sort of just observing other people and observing other people and and sort of living their lives. And this, I I had this discussion with, um, with, I think with my father once, uh, we was just talking about how a lot of, for example, Matt Damon, he didn't even take, go to an acting school or something. He went to Harvard. He was just, but then he, he, he learns, constantly learns and learns a lot. And he can put himself in, in sort of in, in situations and in scenarios. And I was just thinking, so do you think like the making of an actor doesn't necessarily, like you, like, do you think that taking the, the path of making it as an actor, do you think it's, you have to sort of like go to all the acting schools and go to all this path or also you can just sort of be an explorer and just like explore these things and also like become better in acting that, that sense. I think that, um, that's, I I think that's the $20 million question really. Mm -hmm. Um, I think though that I have a couple, I have, I have feelings about certain things. I think that you have to decide what sort of industry, what sort of side of the industry you want to go into you mm-hmm. think you might want to go into to um, to make some of those determinations. Obviously, if you're gonna wanna, if you want to be a triple threat Broadway musical star, mm-hmm. then like you need to get your stuff together when it comes to being an excellent dancer, an excellent singer, because like you're gonna be competing against the best in the world to get work, right? Yeah, I think that um, I think that if you're interested in film and television, I think that that's a different skill set. Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, I don't want to speak for all film and television actors because I think that there is a lot of training that goes into it. But I think that that is that there is a little bit more of a um, there is a little bit more room for learning on the job, mm-hmm. um, if you will, when it comes to film and television uh, work. But not to say that you're going to be, you know, winning an Oscar mm-hmm. like for your first role. I mean, like there are some great actors now whose first movies, like they like they won't even like admit to having made because they're like. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the process. And um, though at the same time, you, one could argue it's hard to know what the process of being in a feature film is like until you've been on the set of a feature film. Mm-hmm. And once again, see all the cogs of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think that, I think that I'm always encouraging younger people, young people, people who are starting out, that you can always go back to school to figure out where you need to beef up your training. I think where you sort of are, um, if you have the luxury of attending a college, mm-hmm. um, if you have the privilege to go to a college where there's a lot of different things offered, do I think that like it's nece- it's like a necessity to be a theater major? I, I don't think so. I think that I think that if you can be if you can be well read in in medicine or in in biology or in philosophy or in um, in political science, I think that those things are going to serve you equally as well, if not better than any sort of than than just taking all all drama classes or taking just just. I mean, I think that I think you've got to know and you've got to be prepared. Um, you got you've got to be prepared to talk about lots of different things. Um, as an actor because you're going to be playing lots of different roles. So you want to know a little bit about a lot of different things, even if it's like, even if you don't go into medicine or we mean pre-taking some pre-law classes, 
huge. I mean, for so many different mm. reasons, just because like it's, it's important to know sort of the system of justice and legality that we live under, but also because at some point you may have to do your guest spot on law and order and it'll be better for you. You'll bring, bring more truth to it. If you can sort of speak to that, uh, speak to that. It's also about being a well-rounded and more interesting person. Mm. I think that like people want to work with interesting people. Mm-hmm. And, I think, course, yeah. and I think that like the more well-versed you can be in subject, not like not from a phony standpoint, but I think that the more well-versed you can be, the better off you're going to be in terms of making a, an impression on, um, on people who are maybe the decision makers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of you often hear movie stars or famous musicians talk about if somebody wants to come up and talk to me about my album, mm-hmm. about like my hits and how they moved me, like how they, like how they, it, how my, my, this album changed their life. Mm. They shut down and I'm like, yeah, thank thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But if somebody comes up and says, um, like we just strap go, how's your drink or how's that food? Or like, did you see the game the other night? And totally opposite of like talking about their work, they're more likely to engage in a conversation and they find that to be a much more stimulating conversation. And I think that that's, I think that that's something to be taken seriously that like, there is there is room for us to learn a little bit about a lot of things. Um, I remember being in a show. This is a mm. long answer, but I remember being in a show um, in uh, Western New York, mm-hmm. and I was grocery shopping with one of the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were grocery shopping like because we had just moved into the actor house, and um, I, th- I was in line at the cashier at the uh, cash register, and behind me was a guy wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, uh, t-shirt or sweatshirt and I had just seen a clip of the game uh, that had been on that week and I I'm not a Steelers fan but I had watched some of some of uh, some of the game and I turned to him and I said oh so I, I think they're off to a pretty good start and and we sort of chit-chatted about mm-hmm. football for for two minutes maybe yeah. but we left and we're walking out of the out of the grocery store and the other actor goes man I wish I could do that and I said what did I do and he goes he said oh you like you made like small talk with like people that are outside of our business. And I said, oh yeah, I guess I did. And it was this moment that stuck with me because I thought to myself, all of that stuff that anybody ever told me about making sort of an actor as a well-versed person or a, 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 a good actor knows or, or tries to learn about a lot of different types of people, tries to, uh, tries to communicate with a lot of different types of people from all walks of life. Um, mm-hmm really served, uh, really does serve you mm. so that it like you're bringing in authenticity because you, you, you have a responsibility as an actor to represent whoever it is that the story is about. Right. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's like really specific. Like it's a, like it's a, it's a cultural representation or, you know, a, a gendered representation or a religious representation. Um, sometimes that's basically just being like, an average, an average teenager or, Mm -hmm. and like, you don't want teenagers to come and see it and go, Oh, that was, that was BS because that didn't seem like a real person or that's like a parent you might be playing an average parent. Mm -hmm. And the idea that like you represent that you, you you have a responsibility to that person Mm -hmm. uh, who is that character Mm -hmm. and the more authentic you can be and the more people you've observed, the more people that you have communicated with, yeah. Um, even if it's only passing in the checkout line, can be, and can it's something you can add to your toolbox. 
And that's very interesting that you mentioned this point. And I, 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 I can sort of relate to that because I mean I'm taking your acting class right now, and then you are no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, <laughs> that's how I got this gig. <laughs> uh, imagine if you just forget. I mean, no, um, but I've, I mean, I do bigger picture podcasts, right? And I talk to like a lot of different people, and I try to always like constantly learn from people and. Because I talked to so many people. For example, you give me a random role. For example, you give me Torvald, which is, you know, a guy that is what, what like fifty, and then is is ha, have been married for a fifteen years or whatnot, and then goes through that story. I I felt like I could put myself in that situation because I've experienced a lot, and I can get that emotion to 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 be there in some sense, and it felt natural for me like i didn't have to force it in some mm-hmm. sense and 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 i actually never thought of maybe why i became or why i would know how to do it because i never learned acting i've never taken act like i don't know if i told you but i've never taken acting before i've never acted i'm, I'm maybe i acted like once or twice but never like acting in play theaters something mm-hmm. like that but then i just I just feel it, you know what I'm saying? And and now that I think about it, maybe it's just like these little accumulations that 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 have sort of added up. That Absolutely. I mean, you learn you you if, you, if you're an observer, um, mm-hmm. if you're an observer of behavior of of, of responses to things, I think mm-hmm. that you um you, you you do pick those. You do inherently pick those things up if you're um, if you're mind, if you're if you're being mindful about it, I think mm. that it's it's that's true. Um, and that that's sort of like my question is how do you go from the observing face to the being face? You know, what I'm saying like, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm constant, if if you are constantly observing others, if you're constantly learning from others, how do you how do you act that out? How do you be that role? Well, I think there are different schools of thought, and I sort of it's it's interesting because when I first started teaching at NMH, I mm-hmm. um, I was oftentimes. Um, people would roll their eyes when they would pass by me after the class because I used to use this book by a woman whose name is Uta Hagen. And she was one of these sort of um, great acting teachers of the the 20th century. And and I I enjoyed the book. um, And I first started teaching it. It was really sort of in-depth and um, students would often say she's so opinionated, and I used to say, "Well, if you weren't opinionated, why would you write a book?" I mean, I guess that's <laughs> in some ways like you would have to be opinionated to think you could write a book about a particular craft. But that being said, I yeah. um, I sort of um, she would talk all sorts about you know you know all the deep um, psychological digging that you have to do to be an actor. And I was always, I always agreed with a lot of what she said. And then, but I also, there was a, a playwright by the name of David Mamet who um, wrote plays um, like Glengarry Glen Ross and American Buffalo. And mm-hmm. he's written for film and TV. Um, and he wrote a book called True or False. And um, not, I want to say, much more recently than Uta Hagen wrote her book. And um, it's all about how if you don't give the audience any reason to believe that you're not something that you say you are, mm. then they'll believe you're what you say you are. And sometimes that means that like, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm playing a vegetarian and I walk on stage and I take a huge bite of steak, then the audience is going to say, Oh, that person's not a vegetarian. Sometimes it's like that obvious. Mm. And sometimes it's like, Oh, this person is, um, coming on stage and it's much more sort of like subtle than that. And it's, it's the idea that like, you don't want to, um, you don't want to 
say that you're in love with someone and have a, a, a total awkward um, mm-hmm. awkward physicality with them, right? And so that, that sort of gives you a way that you're not really in love with them. And so I think that for me, it's somewhere in that middle ground. It's that idea that I want to do a lot of research, but I know that I can't walk around with that research on stage. Mm-hmm. I have to like do the research and I have to just trust that I'm internalizing it. And then when I get onto stage, I am responding to my scene partner and I'm by just by saying the lines. And if I'm, if I have somebody watching me to make sure that I'm not doing anything that is undercutting what I'm saying is the truth in the moment, then I'm achieving what I want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's that, there are those schools of thought where it's like, just get up and say the damn lines. And then there's like, you don't have to worry about it. Like, and then there's that whole investigating your, your process uh, piece of it. And both are, both are legitimate. And I, I think that, um, I think that that's where acting schools of thought can get into trouble because they preach themselves as like the only way to go about it. And I think mm. that technique and craft are as different, like the the right craft and the right technique as an actor. Mm-hmm. There are there are like five or six fundamentals, mm-hmm. and then everything else sort of diverges into the school of thought that you as an actor best relate to. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when I in, in acting class, sneak peek mm. at the end of acting class, I always say to the students. I want you to take another acting class. And if it's not with me, that's great. And if you take another acting class and somebody says something that's totally in, um, in, in, in objection to what I've taught you or of what I've said to you, I want you to go with them on that ride for however long that class is because you might find that that's a better way that your brain and your body computes what you have to get done mm-hmm. on a different script. I I teach the way I teach and the next person teaches the way they teach. And I think that your job as an actor who's starting out especially mm-hmm. is to learn as much as you can about the way that you internalize the tenets of acting. Mm. It's, I mean, some people are sold and th- things work out for them right away. Yeah. And so they're sold on one technique. They're sold on one school of thought. Mm. I'm of the mind that like different things work for different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, different plays. You might have two ways to back to that back and you might be like, Oh, I am, investigating this character. There's so much detail that's in the writing. And then you're like, I've given over to, to that school of thought. And then you get to your next play and it's really abstract. Mm-hmm. So what do you do if you're inflexible to sort of shift your technique to mm-hmm. meet the demands of the play? Mm-hmm. Um, you're sort of up a creek a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I think the more open you can be to those fundamentals of what work and plugging into those, but understanding that there's still going to be a lot to investigate Every time you open up a new script and every time you put on a new character, I think that, that that'll serve you in the long run. And so that's what I've tried to do is I've tried to say, okay, what do I know that I know? Mm-hmm. And what is it possible? what's possible that I have never figured out or considered before in this particular process? Interesting. That's a- and, and I would also say, not to, <laughs> not to be so long-winded, but I would also say that the difference comes to like, it's auditioning sucks. And so auditioning sucks. And yeah, there's so much more that's that happens conversationally between a director and an actor. Once the role has been cast or once you're in the show and you can have this ongoing dialogue and you can discover that together. Mm-hmm. And it's not this sort of like loner experience. 
auditioning is you sort of take your best shot and you sort of do it and you're like, okay, well, I guess I showed what I could show in this moment. And if they like that, they'll ask for more. And mm-hmm. so there's to, um, to paraphrase, um, to para- which, which is where, which is, I would think where the difference is, is that like some people learn how to audition and some people learn how to do the work. And sometimes people are terrible at auditioning and then they also, but they know really well, they intuit really well how to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the, um, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad and so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a little a video of him um, talking right now mm-hmm. online from a couple of years ago that um, he says that like when I, I used to go into auditions mm-hmm. and try to get the job mm-hmm. and that was so hard on me because when I wouldn't get the job, I wouldn't get the job and it would like, it would feel demoralizing. And he said, when I started to go into auditions thinking I'm going to get to perform, even if it's only for five minutes, mm-hmm. I'm going to go in and try and get the, do what I do, what I'm trained to do, what I'm good at doing, mm-hmm. and stop making the goal about booking the job. Mm-hmm. I did much better. I, I gave much better auditions. And mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think you've got to go in and do the best you can mm-hmm. uh, and trust that, like, there are things you, there are answers to questions you'll never know uh, until you actually get the get the role. And that, that point at the end about sort of being natural, just, just, going into audition and just think about performing not think not stressing about the job and and sort of being natural it sort of connects to what that long sort of long answer i'm trying to sort of like channel everything together in some sense that you you said about researching right you you research a lot beforehand so that when you are there on stage you are just natural there you're you're just sort of responding i mean you you still like and i mean you still have to remember the lines in some sense right Mm -hmm. do so what is what is the balance point between memorization and and naturally responding? Because, you know, if if like you can tell when someone is trying to memorize other lines versus mm-hmm. someone that's like sort of naturally acting that mm-hmm. scene, right? Well, I think that I think that you're always trying to take the lines and find a way to make them as natural as possible. Yeah, and I think you investigate. We've talked about this before, but. Um, um, you try and investigate what that character wants and what that character's going after and mm-hmm. and who that where that character has been so that you can respond fairly naturally mm-hmm. um, the benefits of the benefits of working so the, the the downside of working on a classic piece like a sort of a classical text is that you can't like you can't ask like the playwright you can't we can't call shakespeare up and say hey bill like tell me what you meant by this. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain this? Why he's, why this yeah. character saying this? Um, so you do end up with this idea that you might have to contort yourself and your mindset into making this line make sense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes actors will say that they take those lines and they're like, they don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. They'll say them, but they don't know what they mean. They'll say them convincingly even, but they don't know what they mean until after the show closes. They'll be like, <laughs> oh, oh, I finally understand that passage. <laughs> it takes a long time to unpack. Yeah. Some people, some people will say that like that's one of the benefits of working on new plays mm-hmm. and new works because you can look at the actor, you can look at the playwright, and say, "Hey, what does he mean by this? Like, why is he saying this?" Yeah. And the playwright can either say, "Oh, because this, this, or this," or they can say, "Oh, I have no idea. That's a crap line. Let me change it." Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> so you still have to do the script no matter what. But it's the idea that like sometimes you're 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 able to 
um, get the answers to the, the the motivation behind the line. And I think is if you know the motivation behind the line, mm-hmm. then it becomes much easier to be natural about that. Mm. Um, you know yeah. who you're talking to. Yeah. You know that relationship. All the stuff that's like really just like real basic stuff. Understanding that I'm, that the way I speak to my, like the way Torvald speaks to his mm-hmm. ex-wife or mm-hmm. his would-be ex-wife is different than he's going to talk to his like nine-year-old child, right? Mm-hmm. There's a different relationship. And so you sort of understand the power dynamic or you understand the bitterness of this old relationship versus sort of the supportive nature with which he like builds up his kid. And so all of those things are very, really basic, but sometimes, um, sometimes the most basic things are the most difficult. Like the fundamentals tend to be the most difficult mm-hmm. thing to like to master. Yeah. Um, my son who's seven mm-hmm. or he'll be seven this summer, um, uh, loves basketball and mm-hmm. he, Trying to tell him to work on like just basic like maneuvering yeah. versus trying to like <laughs> watch watch every like you know like Anthony Davis like like highlight reel yeah. and like try and mimic like the trick shots and everything. Yeah, that is a hard lesson to learn, and I don't think it's much different for actors who like who like try 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 and try, and ultimately it takes it's, a director will come and go, hang on let me bring you back to the beginning of mm-hmm. when you first started. Cause you know, this you've just like, you think it's more complicated than it, than it is. Mm-hmm. And so how do I, how do I, as a director do, I move out some of those obstacles, some of those obstacles out of your way. Mm. So don't try and do like the 360 spin, mm. getting 18 inches off the ground and then making <laughs> the dunk <laughs> on your first try <laughs> and then be willing to give up because you didn't do it. I mean, <laughs> when you're only three and a half feet tall, <laughs> so like putting out the rationale is something that's that's my that's my joy as a director is going hang on you're making this more complicated than it needs to be i promise you it's simpler than this mm. yeah. two things that i will, will want to go off of that um the first thing well, i'll start with, I'll start with the first thing which is you mentioned how as actors you're actually still constantly learning in some sense that you're learning a new play, learning a new character, putting yourself into a new role. Do you think that learning or the ability to learn is actually essential to, to being an actor that an actor has to be like constantly curious and also like learning and also have to like be intelligent and sense that to, 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 to comprehend all these different things. I do. I think the word you use curious is the most important one. I think you've yeah. got to be curious because I think that you have to be, you have to be curious about, you know, human behavior. We've said that a bunch of times, but mm. you, you have to be curious about human behavior. You have to be curi- curious about human interaction. And I think you've got to be, you've got to be curious about what drives people. Like, mm. I mean, it, it's, it's why we love story. I think right now, especially we love stories where the motivation to do something might not be pure and like altruistic, mm. but it might be out of necessity mm-hmm. And how do we like come up with, how do we create a character that's sympathetic who has like really good, not to keep, not to keep going back to Breaking Bad, (laughs) but initially, uh, if anybody's watched Breaking Bad, they know that like it started out with a chemistry teacher who had a cancer diagnosis and was nervous that his family didn't have like enough to live on if he were to die of cancer. Mm. And so does becoming like a major meth dealer and maker and maker and dealer 
um, you know, blur the lines of ethics or totally overrun them? Of course it does. But something about the tone of it that was set at the beginning in that first couple of episodes where you're like, he was in desperation, made you want to watch and it made it relatable because like there are a few things people wouldn't do to help like in desperate times for their family. So I think Mm -hmm. to being curious about what motivates people, um, I think is really important as, uh, as an actor. And I also think, I think curious about like your own, not to be like self-centered or navel gazing, but curious about what, like, what makes you makes what makes you tick mm. is really important because I think that like you can watch a movie that somebody has done because it's a passion project and they mm. love and they they like they they you know you hear these stories about somebody who should be making or could be making six million dollars to make a movie yeah and they defer their payment because they love the script so much and it's mm. not a it's not going to be a blockbuster it's not fits nowhere in no it doesn't fit anywhere in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's not gonna be a global sensation. But they'll mm-hmm. do the they'll do the you know they'll do the movie for a hundred bucks in lunch and a free lunch because they believe in the in the project so much. I think you've got to know that about yourself because I think that there's a fine line between being um, being motivated by sort of the acclaim and by sort of the money um, may we all be so lucky as to have that opportunity to turn yeah. down the money yeah. for something we believe in. Yeah. But at the same time, it's that idea that like you have to know what makes you tick and what's going to f- be fulfilling. Because you can wake up after a 10-year stretch having done a ton of things that you're not proud of because they didn't stir you in, in the... Like, you didn't stir your soul in any way. Yeah. But I also think that there's that idea that what I love, sometimes I love those opportunities to revisit something. So, for mm-hmm. instance, something that, that I've been in as a, and then revisiting it as a director, or I love opportunities that present themselves where it's like, oh, you get to do this show, or mm-hmm. you're asked to do the show. And then a few years later, or a decade later, you mm-hmm. get to do it again. And you realize, oh my gosh, I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Or it might not even be doing a show, it might be somebody says, I need you to come in to this concert and sing this song. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, I, I'm such a different person than the first time I sang this song. <laughs> or I was singing, I, I sang this song the first time way too young, way before I understood the complexity of like what was being talked about. Yeah. And then you get a little older and you're like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's, that's what this song is about. Or like especially when you do a show where you're like you play maybe, maybe you play the kid in the production when you're a kid and then you like end up being the father or like <laughs> you know the older yeah. brother when you're a little older and you're like oh this is discovery it's not like you don't write it off and say oh I've done that show before it's yeah. like maybe maybe you do because it's like the same thing the same context but there are a lot of opportunities for you to go and say oh my gosh what do I know now that I didn't know then in my own life mm-hmm. what would I how would I treat this differently now that I've been more things to more people? Mm-hmm. Maybe you do this show in high school before you've had a real long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you get the opportunity to do it at the end of college. And it's like, oh, now I've had a first serious relation, my first serious relationship that's been long-lasting. And the play is about being in a long-lasting relationship. I know more about this now. Mm-hmm. So understanding and journaling and understanding what you what you bring to the table and being curious about sort of looking back and saying, what are my, what are my experiences to this point in my life adding up to, Mm -hmm. I think is a a huge part of being a good, 
is being a competent actor. Yes, I can't sir. say that it's good. You could, you could journal, you could make 25 journals a year and you could still not be like using it to the best of your ability. But I think to be a, a responsible actor, you've got to be curious about all of it. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I loved how, how you talked about what it could be the same thing, but then later down the line, because you have changed, because you have evolved, um, you would view it differently and we're constantly evolving, we're constantly learning. And it could be sort of something that you can use as a, as a self-assessment in some sense and see how much you have changed. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to, to songs that I used to sing when I was a kid and I'm still singing now, for example, I performed, say, Star of My Life or Counting Stars. Or I, I sing this, these songs when I was like 10 or something, but then now it is very different and I feel very different. I sing very differently than I used to, even though I'm still the same me. So that comes a question like, what is the, what is the real you? And that, I think that that's actually a really interesting question for actors because actors, you, you go through so many different roles and for like those extreme actors, they go through like extreme roles, right? Would that shape who you are? And, and if, if so, like what is the real you and what is, like when you talk about being authentic and when you talk about um, self-discovery, like w- what is the real you if you if you have, if you are influenced by all these roles in some sense? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge question. I think mm-hmm. it's like one of those big existential questions. I think, <laughs> I think you're an amalgamation of all of your experiences. So I think mm-hmm. that there's something about, you know, the fact that you might play a lot of different roles and, Hopefully you've learned something for about like your own life through the character you've played, um, and obvious and certainly I shouldn't say obviously, but certainly uh, in my own experience, I know that each show that I've ever worked on, just the compilation of people um, mm-hmm. that's been in the room, I've learned something from. You know, it's it's it, you know, you learn something. I mean, you you I, the, the most stark contrast I can think of is that outside of the story that you're telling having to go out there and do a show that you know is not great or has been like poorly reviewed mm-hmm. and still do it because you still are under contract and you're still like, you can't just, the reviews come out and like, they're not great reviews and you still have to go out and deliver. Mm-hmm. That's a bonding experience, probably more valuable than mm-hmm. when you go out and you do a show and everybody loves it. And then everyone like everybody's riding high because it's such a hit, right? Like to go out there and, and it's about it's so it's so much of it is about the people that you're working with outside of the role. And I think that that's um, that's the richness of of what you're that's the richness of the experience of mm-hmm. what you're doing. And I think that you're as much changed by those people that you're working with as you are by the roles that you are um, that you're working on. I think that when mm-hmm. I teach directing, it's all about relational built like relational um, health mm-hmm. and the idea that you could have a great script and a million dollars and a great role within that script Mm -hmm. and a great opportunity to be at the perfect time of your career. And you get a director who is a real jerk or real dictator who is really unhealthy and they provide, they set and they set a really toxic, toxic example of how the working space is supposed to be. And that's not a great experience. You could have a subpar script, a subpar setting, a subpar working conditions, and the people in the room are brilliant and they are kind and they are generous and mm-hmm. they are 
um, and they're helpful and mm. they are open and it might turn out to be not a great movie but or not a great project but uh, in a commercial sense but in a mm. personal sense you might feel it's the best thing you've ever done. I mean, so like there's no sort of rhyme or reason to yeah. it, but I do think, I think you're a compilation of all of these things. I mean, I think it's, I mean, you're going to walk out of here in three weeks in less than mm-hmm. three weeks. Like you are, whether you know it or not now, you are a, a compilation. You are, you're an amalgamation of that performing arts foundations class and that Hume one and Hume two class. And that like all of these little things, you're not like, you're not thinking about all of the memorization you did. But something in there is all sort of like fusing together mm-hmm. and to, to go, okay, like from 14 to 18 or 19, this is what I put together. Yeah. Like this is who I've become. This is sort of a part of me now. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you've really internalized it, it's really hard to tease it out and separate what you got where and who you got what from because yeah. it's all become a sort of a natural part of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think actors like actors and Actors get that. I think actors oftentimes get like a really have a difficult situation because they'll go from having everything going and then nothing going. So they have a lot of chances to sort of reflect on that. But um, yeah, it could could go through some existential crisis sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And that that might be a struggle. And that's 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 what I was thinking. That's what I always or, or, or think of as a concern is maybe like for those who are so deeply into acting like like you, there are some actors that have you know gone to the extreme level and you sure. know when go through like mental illnesses and all that because they it's 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 the the roles they take on is too extreme or they've been on through so many different roles that they it's sort of t- taken a toll on them but it's it's sort of like like you said you, you know you're still it's a constantly evolving learning process and i think that that could be a very fa- that that's why I love acting in some sense. It's, it's like I'm I'm constantly learning when I'm there, and then it's it's fun too. Obviously, it's well, you 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 get to live another person's life, and then you get to to be free mm-hmm. on stage, and then just let let loose. <laughs> I love it. It's true. It would, it would, you know, it's too. I often say to people, it's too much work to not have a good time doing it. Yeah. Right. I mean, like you 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 know. I mean, memorizing a part memorizing a scene working with another person yeah committing to that is like it's a lot of work and there's a lot of reward but it's a lot of work so like and it depends on how you treat it i I think one thing that i understood through the class um with you this year is that i can approach it by oh shoot i have to memorize this thick line and i have to memorize 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 but then the second approach that i sort of did which is sort of what you were trying to get as is I just understood the character. I understood who Torvald is. I understood why Torvald is. I understood how Torvald is. And then the lines just came naturally. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, a lot of, I, I didn't, I've never, I don't think I've ever, like with that, I, sorry if I'm saying is there in front of your face, but I don't think I've ever just like sat there just like memorizing lines, but mm-hmm. I just like think of myself in those scenarios and then just interacted and just like, just didn't because it just felt natural absolutely for like james bond too i just imagined i was in that situation scenario but it's harder for a monologue because you don't have that interacting piece and it's like hard to make it flow but then you know once you just like put yourself in 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 their shoes it it like comes easy easy easily and then 
it feels great too to 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 let loose like when i threw that chair at the <laughs> James Bond or like <laughs> through the door at the when i walked in the room it's just fun <laughs> but um this is this has been great i feel like we can definitely talk on forever and then uh get into like directing or or all those but then uh, i just realized uh we we are sort of a little short on time okay it's been uh it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you but i have well, this thanks for having me of course but i have this uh sort of final questions for you so like okay. um lightning round i'll do i'll do them quick <laughs> it's uh well answer it thoroughly though so three questions the first question for you is what do you think the bigger picture of life is what do i think the bigger picture of life is well mm. um at the risk of being like totally controversial mm. um i think the for me the bigger picture of life is um is my faith mm-hmm. uh and um and so i'm 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 pretty solidly in the camp that you know um we are here with a purpose and um that um that each person was created for a purpose mm-hmm. and um and so that's that goes all the way back to when i was saying when i was three years old in in um in on the stage at the church. I think that that's never been far away from like the bigger picture of life for me. Yeah. I've grappled with things like anybody else has as they sort of figure out what faith means to them and what religion means to them and all that kind of stuff. But I think the bigger picture for me is that I've, I know that I operate best when I'm, when I'm um, seeing things through the lens of, of, of my, um, my faith. Interesting. And when you say finding your purpose how how so for you how did you come about finding discovering your purpose was it just through a long time long experience or was it through a point of self-reflection that you realize oh it is my purpose i think that i think that the there's just for for me i think the purpose the, the for me when we talk about purpose i think my purpose is to like ultimately once again sort of getting into sort of the spiritual realm, my purpose is to like be here and serve others in, in some capacity um, to the best of my ability. And I think, so that's, that's, that's a big part of my purpose. But I think that the, the thing that drives me as an artist, I think is so deeply entrenched in my, like in the fiber of my being. I don't know that I ever questioned it. I think it Mm -hmm. was like, it was literally the only thing I ever wanted to do. It was the only thing I ever felt like I was like really, really, um, really quote unquote meant for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the thing that I had a passion for. It's the mm-hmm. thing that, um, it's the thing that led me to m- my most significant relationship in my, in my life, which is with my wife. And mm. so I think that there's been too many signs and wonders, if you will, that have sort of given me the signal that this is sort of what I'm supposed to be doing is, is, is making things with people and helping people investigate, you know, the lives of others and giving people a place to, to come to express themselves where it's not, it's, it's not, um, it's not dangerous mm-hmm. only if they choose for it to be sort of like if I, I ask people to step outside of their comfort zone, but yeah. it's not in a dangerous way. And so I think that that also boils down to, I sort of, because of being somebody who is sort of 
tries to live out a certain faith, I think that that means that I, I have tried to check in with that idea of like, oh, all of these things have kind of come into, I mean, the idea that like, oh, I'm stressed out about being like a, a family man mm-hmm. and I'm an actor. Like, oh, I'm so stressed out about this. Well, here comes the knock on the door of the writer, like the, the writing opportunities, which I can do from anywhere in any room of any house. Yeah. Like, and I can, I can be home for my family and not traveling mm-hmm. the country anymore. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I firmly believe that's sort of a, that's a divine, that's a divine intervention. Calling. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think there are too many things that add up to me in my life that I, 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 There's I, all these signs that have pointed yeah. you towards your purpose. Yeah. Very interesting. Second question, what are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living? Non-negotiable values I have for my living? Hmm. That's a really that's a really mm-hmm. good question. Yeah, it's the final three. Welcome to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, non-negotiables. I think that... Um, I think that the non-negotiables of did you say of healthy living or, or just, of, or just, just of, of my existence? Living. Yeah, if you're. Um, I think that. Um, I think. Loyalty. Okay. Loyalty is a is a is a huge one. I think. Uh, um, loyalty to uh, to the people who are. Um, who, who matter to you. I think mm-hmm. that, um, I think that there's no excuse for not understanding to some degree where you are and that you are a part of a continuum mm-hmm. that there are people who came before you mm-hmm. and there are people who are going to come after you and mm-hmm. each person deserves a, a shot at, being understood in their in their context, mm-hmm. and I think that that's like to to throw out the baby with the bathwater is is a non is, that's something that I would aim to to never do. I think that we um, to paraphrase a, a writer uh, uh, C. S. Lewis who who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, um, mm-hmm. he's he says we, we we love to look at the we love to look at the, the, the peoples of the past and talk about how much better we are than they were mm-hmm. without any acknowledgement that in 20, 50, a hundred years, mm-hmm. how much we will give our, we, we will give the future people mm-hmm. a cause to laugh at how naive or ignorant we are mm-hmm. in this day and age. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a really profound thought to me that the idea that we are a part to, to, to never, to never underestimate another person's humanity. Yeah. And that they are a product of their time, mm-hmm. and for better and for worse, and <laughs> we are and we are not exempt from that, yeah, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a non-negotiable. To, to so, my mom and I talked a lot about when I was growing up the idea of context. Mm-hmm. Do you understand the context that this has happened in? Do you understand the context that this person exists in? Do you understand the context of whatever? I mean, I think context clues um, for my English department colleagues. Like, <laughs> I mean that, so I think that, I don't know if that's a non, I don't know if that you would categorize, but that's what, it, that's what comes to mind when I think of like non-negotiables. Yeah. And that, that goes with acting too. Acting is all about context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Putting yourself in the situation of 
other people and then sort of understanding the context and, and, and putting yourself in the, into that role. And then maybe you would say being an actor helped you with context. Anyways, um, last question for you. If there's one thing you can say to a younger version of yourself, what would it be? Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, so many things, as in you would do this regularly? You would, like, think about what you would say? Oh, no, no, no. I, no, there, 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 no I, I guess if I could say, if I could say something... Um, if I could say something to my younger self, it would probably be um, don't wait for the opportunity, create the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like I did not, you know, to me, everybody else held the cards mm -hmm. and I had no understanding that um, I held as many cards as they did just in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so I think I waited for um, a lot when I was younger for mm -hmm. people to go, Oh, come along for the ride or yeah. like, here's this thing that we think you'd be good at as opposed to creating the opportunity. So I think that that would be, um, obviously you need to like, there are systems that you have to be a part of, but I think don't wait for the opportunity. That sounds so cheesy because it's because <laughs> it rhymes, but don't wait for the opportunity, but create the opportunity is I think what, yeah. I, would, what I would say. Um, and, totally um, right, yeah. um, and don't get hung up. Don't get hung up on any one person too young. You have a long life to live. You'll waste a lot of time. You'll save a lot of time. You're much happier in the long run. I mean, but if you don't go through it, how would you know? That's true. Yeah. Well, touche, touche. <laughs> Thank you for 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 coming today. It's been it's been what a what a conversation with you. Learned so much from you today i feel like we could have talked for maybe hours but it's just uh the studio is uh there's uh it's like time pressure and a lot of other things absolutely absolutely and if uh anybody else needs to hear us talk um there will be other opportunities i'm sure definitely yeah. there will definitely be more opportunities and, and i mean i feel like we've only covered the tip of the iceberg of uh jared's life <laughs> <laughs> well i would hope so i would hope anybody's life could only be covered <laughs> by its tip uh in, in an hour or so yeah <laughs> but thank you so much for thank you so oh, much for this, having this me is this so is so fun this is so fun um for listeners hope you all enjoyed and see you in the next episode Bye bye